This is the Purpose Church podcast where we exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. All right, all right. If you are fired up to be in church today, say fired up. All right, y'all are the last crowd of the last series of the last time we played that bumper, so I'll tell you we were laughing because that's actually my voice on the bumper. (laughs) Uh, But I am so honored to be here today to close out this series. This series has been formative to my walk with God personally, and so I hope that it has been for you too. We are in a series where we are talking about Jesus' compassion over people as he looked out in the city and saw that they were distressed and scattered, and so he prayed for laborers. So that is what we are doing today. We are looking at the Father's heart for people and then asking him, what is mine to do? And, and I am so honored to be here, honored um, that we have amazing, great leaders. If, if it is your first time here today, I want to urge you, come back and hear our pastors preach. But you got me today. All right, so let's just jump in. We're going to read a passage of Scripture today. Uh, And it's the parable of the prodigal son. And if you've been in church any amount of time, you've probably heard this parable. Um, But we're going to view it this, this morning through the lens of the heart and the compassion of the father. So we're going to read it through together and then we'll go back and, and pull some, some things out of it. So buckle your seatbelts and, and grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. Or we have a verse, or sorry, an app called YouVersion that you can download on your phone, and that has a Bible, and also it has live notes, so you can follow along with the message too. So either way, let's jump into Luke chapter 15. You ready? ready? All right. And he said, so this, stop, right here. This is Jesus, um, and he is talking to the Pharisees and the disciples. He is teaching uh, this parable, this story that is supposed to represent God. Um, So he is talking to them, and he said, There was a man that had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me, so his inheritance. And he divided the property between them. So no small ask. Then many days later, this this younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a, a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who had sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And, he, and, he, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called to the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. 
His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me even a young goat, can you relate, Um, that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him, and you said to him, And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So we've got a lot of scripture here, but what... I want to look at it today through a lens that I actually use in my personal Bible study, and I wanted to teach it to you today. Um, You can't go wrong when you're looking at Scripture to ask yourself a few questions. And one of those questions is, what does this say about God and his character? Right, Because we we hear and believe a, a bunch of different things about God, but we can look at the Scripture and really ask ourselves, what does it really say about God? God. And there's a second one you can ask what it says about people or what it says about us. But the second we're going to focus on today is what is my response? So now that I know what the scripture says, now that I understand the Father's heart, what is mine to do? And so as we go back and look through the first lens, what does it say about God and his character? It's important for us to note that this passage is about the Father. I think it's easy to read the, the parable of the prodigal son and we could digest and exegete all the terrible things that the, the prodigal son did and how do you even spend money that fast and sleeping with pigs. It's, it's all there, but really what we get from this passage and what Jesus is hoping to reveal to the people he's speaking to is the heart of the Father. And, and this, oh, so here's, here's some things that we can look at and see what it says about the heart of the Father. This list is not exhaustive. I believe there's more things that the Holy Spirit might be showing you in the text, and I think that's beautiful. So we're just going to go through a few things here that we can see for sure in the Scripture. The first is the Father's desire is to be reunited with us. And that seems pretty plain and simple, but it's important to note because a lot of people think God is just waiting for us to mess up and he's just in the sky and he's going to send us to hell if we don't do good things. But that is not the father's heart. That's not what this scripture says about the father. It says that we walked away and the father's desire is to be reunited and in relationship with us. It says that while he was a long way off, the father saw him. So the father wasn't inside watching TV making tacos. He was outside waiting for the son. He was looking for him, and he was also being patient for him too. And the second thing we see is that it's the father's joy to see us turn around and come home just like he was with the son. I think it's interesting that the son had an entire speech plan to his father. He was expecting the anger of his father and he was expecting penalty and so he probably was looking down and and looking at the ground and rehearsing this speech father I'm no longer worthy to be your son just let me be a hired servant he was expecting to need to assuage the anger of his father but that is not what he received it was the father's joy to welcome him back home and then we see that the father's sorrow is that we walked away thinking we'd be fine without him and, and we're going to jump to another scripture in the Old Testament. This is the condition of humanity, right? This is the whole problem that led us to the gospel. It's that all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. The prodigal son did what we have all done. Have, 
we're distressed and downcast because lots of people are telling us different things and we're confused and, and someone says this is truth and someone says this is truth and so we just try to find our own way through life but the Father wants us to be with him. We left God's path to follow our own and here is, here is really what it's all about is that the Father's greatest gift is his presence where we can be safe in his care, protection, and correction. So instead of going our own way, the Father desires and gives us the gift of his presence because in his presence is where we can get all that we need. So that's why it's his sorrow that we walked away thinking we'd be fine without him because he desires to give us the gift of his presence. And also, side note, this is an amazing and, and beautiful thing about the church too, being in the presence of God's people. There's so much blessing and covering by being here, by being with community. And I know that my life is changed so much because of God and his people around me covering, protecting me and correcting me. We don't like that part as much, but if your father corrects you, you know that you're more equipped for the journey ahead. And the next thing is that the Father shows mercy, grace, and love. And I think it's important to distinguish these things because it would have been merciful for the Father to simply say, okay, yes, you can come in and I, I guess I forgive you of, of spending all my money um, and you can be my hired servant. That would have been merciful. But it was also grace that came to the Father, that he gave him a robe and sandals for his feet. It was unmerited, undeserved favor because of the love that he had for his son. It's important that it was all motivated by love. It wasn't compulsion from God or guilt from God or anything. It was perfect love that led him to those things. And then this is one of my favorite parts about God, that he can do uh, so many things at once that he's holy. It's this, that the Father offers restoration and instead put our accountability on Jesus. This is the most amazing thing about God, that he can be holy and just and grace and mercy all at the same time. So our sin does deserve a penalty. It would be wrong and unjust if God or the Father let us go on in our sin, but he made a way through Jesus and we see that here in the Isaiah scripture. It's a prophecy of Jesus. He hasn't even come yet, but it says, again, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That him is Jesus. And so we know that the Father, he does get justice, but he chose to, to send his son so that he could fully be restored with us. And here's the main thing, all of this culminates to that the Father is full of compassion on us. We see it right here in the scripture in verse 20. While he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. That compassion was compelling him to go to his son. And then we see with the older son, we haven't forgot about him. We see in this that the father is also concerned and even saddened by our lack of compassion. And he is pleading with us to join the celebration. So now that we, we know a little bit more of the heart of the Father, now that we have read the scripture and we have understood what the Father's, about the Father's heart and his compassion, we ask ourselves, what is my response? If the Father is urging me to compassion, if he, if he feels this way even about me, what is my response? I think the first thing that we can start with is simply 
before doing anything. We need new eyes and new hearts. And this is, this is really what Jesus is helping the Pharisees to do when he's telling this scripture. So this scripture is, is one of three stories about something that was lost and something that is found. So the first story is, is about the lost coin. It's about a woman who loses a coin. And Jesus is saying, if, if she loses a coin, why wouldn't she t- turn over everything in her house, sweep under the rug, and look until that coin is found? And then he tells the story about the sheep that you've probably heard as well. If, if, if a shepherd would leave 99 good sheep to find the one, how much would you go and find a person? that he would leave 99 to find one. He's, he's saying that this, this is a universal human understanding, finding something that's lost. And to be honest, maybe we don't really relate to uh, finding a coin or, um, or a sheep, but we have all experienced this. Has anyone in here ever lost their phone? Have you ever lost your phone? Okay, okay. Then you know, a few of you in here know, the panic uh, and, and the worry that comes when you reach over, you reach in your pocket, and it's not there, and so you're looking everywhere. I actually lost my phone in, in here in the school um, when we were getting ser- ready for service one morning, and I was running around. I was telling the team, I lost my phone. Help me find it. Um, what if someone texts me? I can't miss it. Like, I need my phone. I'm a Gen Z. I cannot live without my phone. I'm actually right on the line. It's kind of a blur, but I just live with it. Um, so... But no matter what my age is, I need my phone. And uh, at the end of service, my husband comes up and says, here you go. It was in the bathroom. And, you know, I just sigh of relief, built an altar right there to the Lord because my lost phone has been found. Rejoice with me. Okay. And then maybe this one's going to hit home a little bit uh, harder. Maybe you've lost a pet before, a dog or a cat, if that's your thing. Um, And... Maybe they ran away or you had to put them down. I, I honestly, I think this is, is weird. I, I don't get pets sometimes. I have a dog, and really all she does is make my life harder, cleaning her hair and all of this stuff. But then I look at her, and I'm like, she's so cute. She's just so cute. She is cute, right? And, but she just makes life harder. But she's so cute. And we basically raised her. We've had her since she was a little puppy. And so we understand that even though it's weird and they're animals, um, we let them live in our house and we actually grow a connection with them, right? But you would think I was ridiculous if, if I had compared losing my phone or even com- compared losing my dog to losing a child or to losing a person. So that is what Jesus is doing when he's talking to the Pharisees. He's saying, if you would rejoice over a lost coin, if you would rejoice over a lost sheep, would you not rejoice over someone who was lost and is found? And, and a few weeks ago, Pastor Kelly told her a story, and I won't tell it for her. You've got to go back. If you miss any of the messages, you've got to start from one. This series was actually born out of a dream that Pastor Landon had, and so it has had God all over it the whole time, so I encourage you to go back. But a few weeks back, Pastor Kelly shared a story about literally losing one of her sons. He was sleepwalking, and of course, they, it ended in celebration. They found him, and it was amazing. Uh, but I actually told her this before. It would be ridiculous, right, if I came up and said, Pastor Kelly, I totally understand what that was like. I lost my phone a few weeks ago, and it was, <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> 
like, I don't even, I'm not going to look at her because, <laughs> because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> I would be afraid of the wrath of God because there is no <laughs> comparable value of these things to a human being. We all know and understand that, right? And this is the principle that Jesus is talking about, that intrinsic value obligates. And I'm going to unpack what this word means right quick. So um, intrinsic value is something, it's a philosophical term, but also economical term, that intrinsic value is something that has value in and of itself. So for example, like a diamond. A diamond is made naturally, and then we sell it for profit. So, so the extrinsic value is the money itself, right, that we sell it for, but the intrinsic value is the diamond. There's nothing else that places its value other than it in itself. And in, in philosophy, the intrinsic value that we see in the doctrine of Christianity is the imago dei, and I probably butchered it. It's Latin, and it means image of God. I actually have it tattooed on my arm um, from college. I had learned about this concept, and it was, so, it was so moving to me that no matter what people are like, no matter if they believe in God or not, they are created in the image of God. And it's a beautiful, beautiful truth that we can see that God created us to be like him. So the intrinsic value obligates that a human being, the life of a human is valuable, of infinite worth simply because we are created in God's image. But the problem is, is that at some point we, we stopped seeing people that way. We stop believing in our heart that way. And so that is why we plead God for new eyes to see people in their value and new hearts to be moved with the same compassion of the Father. And, and we see this. This has been a problem not just today, but all, all throughout time. After the first sin and Adam and Eve, we, we go a, a few chapters down to actually the first murder in the Bible, and this is Cain and Abel. You might have heard this story, but I'll just summarize real quick that Cain and Abel were brothers, and they both gave an offering to God. And we don't know exactly why, but God did not accept Cain's offering. But we do know this, that Abel gave the firstborn of his flock, and it said that Cain gave some of his fruits. So the difference between those is the, is the value of, of Abel gave the first and the best to God. He gave everything he had, the first of what he had, and it said that Cain gave some. So we can just uh, assume that, that really God was looking at the heart in this, in this matter. But Cain got angry at Abel, and it, and it said, we can go down to the, to the last verse, that while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? So God is asking him, where is your brother? And he said, one of, I think, the saddest scriptures in all of the Bible. He said, I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? He abdicated himself from the responsibility of loving his brother. And I think it's interesting that he wasn't upset with his brother. He was upset that God had not accepted his offering. But if we went... Um, into this story, God is saying, why are, why are you so angry and downcast? If you would have given me an acceptable offering, if you do what is right, I will accept you. And so Cain had beef with somebody else, but he took it out on, on his brother. And this happened too with the older son. When we look at him, I don't think it's a mistake that in Luke chapter 15, verse 30, he said, 
But when this son of yours came, when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him, he removed the identification of being his brother. This son of yours, he's yours. And so we see this soul-level, heart-level problem with seeing people the way Jesus sees them. And we have to ask, who, who is our brother? Who is God asking us to love? It's, it's simple, really. It's the coworker that you know who sits next to you, who they're, they're having trouble in their marriage, and they just need someone to encourage them through it. It's the young woman that we might judge for posting all her feelings on Instagram, but really she's just lonely and has no one else to hear her out. It's the person you sit by at school. For those of you in school, for students, it's the person that you're sitting by that is, it always seem, they always seem angry, but they're really just insecure. It is the ordinary, everyday people who are distressed and downcast by the weight of life. These are the people that we are called to. And so I think the truth in all of this is this, is that when we are tempted to feel contempt toward our brother, God is urging us to fill up with compassion. And, and again, with this point, this isn't about trying harder or doing better or, you know, I'll just try to talk to them one more time. It's about having new eyes and new hearts and filling up with the power of the Holy Spirit because God has given you everything you need. And once we're full of compassion, the second thing is that we need to move to action. There's only one response that compassion has. We've been saying in this series that compassion does not afford us the luxury of inaction. When we know the value of people, when we know what the Father's heart is, we can't help it. We can't help but to serve people. We can't help but to love people. It said it in here in this, in this verse that the Father saw him and felt compassion, and then he ran. He didn't walk. He didn't do a light jogging uh, to get his steps in for the day. He ran with urgency and with love in his eyes. And, and I think one problem that stops us here is that we simply just made it too complicated. And, and this is something I've been thinking about personally in my own walk with God, is that I'm, I'm a part of a generation that says it's, it's offensive to share your faith with people. Like, I don't want to offend them or push my beliefs on them. And we made it really hard. Like, I have to say these things, or I have to start with this question, or I have to know theology. But really, it is simple. We actually mentioned a few series back that Sharing the gospel with something, someone is simply like being a beggar who needed bread, and you're just sharing with another beggar where they can find bread. And, and it's, it's also good to note that the, the son, the prodigal son, he didn't come home out of this realization, you know, what I did was really wrong, and I shouldn't have spent my dad's money like that, and I'm going to go to him, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologize Really, that might have happened later, that, that true repentance, but really what sent him back home was that he was hungry. He was literally hungry, and of course we know that he was figuratively hungry for love and, and a home. And that is what drove him home. So you can, you can be confident that people are not looking for you to have all the right words. They are not wanting your exegesis or your theology on this and this and this. And that might come later, but really... People are just hungry for the love of God. And what we have here in church, this community, people are hungry for that. And we are just leading people to where they can find a life that they can be fully satisfied. It's not our job to be the bread. He is the bread. And we just show them where 
we found it. And then I think another thing that stops us is what is actually called, it's a real term called compassion fatigue. Because you may be in here and you say, all I am is compassion. I'm made of compassion, but I am tired. I am so tired. There's so much going on in the world, and my neighbor needs help, uh, but also the city needs help. And and then I know what's going on across the world, and the COVID numbers look better over here, but they they are rising over here, and I just, we cannot do it all. And I, I, I hope that God is setting someone free, that there is a difference between for the one and for the world. That you cannot change the world in and of yourself. That would be too much to ask. You are not to change the world by yourself. We are to change the world together. God called us to make disciples of all nations, but he called us to make disciples of all nations, which takes time. Making disciples takes time. It takes living with them. It takes only doing what is in your influence to do. And if you reach your people and if you reach yours and if you reach yours and I reach mine, that is how we reach the world together. So you cannot change the world in one year. But can you change the life of one person this year? It's for the one. But then I think that we will never truly be able to see people like God sees them. We'll never be able to truly let go of contempt or our differences or what divides us until we really remember that we are the one, that we were the one. And I know that I was the one. I was the one who was so angry. I I was so mad at the world. I was so hurt and felt abandoned that I hated people. And I, I vowed that I would never trust anyone. I felt alone in this world, abandoned, but God saved me, and now I enjoy his presence and community, and I, I be, am able to live out this life because God saved me. And I was for the one six years ago, just as much as I was last week. I still need the grace and mercy and love of God. I still need to know that the Father wants to be reunited with me. I still need to know that he looks on me with compassion. We are the one. And once we... Once we know that we're the one, I think the third thing is that we need to come home. This is our response today to the Father, that if he is calling you to come home, answer his call because he is waiting for you and he is looking on you with compassion. We need to come home. Or maybe you're the brother, the other brother, and you, you're like, I, I serve all the time. I've been here since launch day. I, I serve, and God, I've done all these things, and yet I'm still, I'm still not seeing breakthrough in my life. Like, what about me? You are the one, too. And he sees you. He, I love that he doesn't have to love the 99 any less to be able to love the one. Yes, he is urgent about the one that has left, but he loves the 99 no less. He is that good and that holy. And so come home today. Today you have the opportunity to be baptized. Maybe that is your next step in coming home. Maybe it is your next step to show the world, I am a follower of Jesus, and this is what mercy did for me. This is my testimony. That is what baptism is. It's it's showing our family, our friends, the world that we have come back to him. And I shared this story last service, one of my favorite baptism stories um, was actually last year uh, during COVID, during the, like, we were deep in quarantine times. And um, her mom texted me and said, 
you know, we wanted, she wanted to get baptized before all this happened. Her name is Cambria. She wanted to get baptized before everything shut down. And so we just, she just wants to do it. She wants to show people her faith. She wants to make that declaration. And so we went to our grandparents' house and went to a pool. And it felt like illegal to be together still. You know, it was like exhilarating. And, um, <laughs> and so we're at her grandparents' house. And um, we just did it right there. And we actually have a picture on the screen of just that beautiful moment of I am marking my faith and nothing is going to stop me. I just honor her for her boldness. Not a pandemic, nothing is going to stop me from declaring my faith. And I just love that. And even one of the people, I already asked him permission if I could say it. One of the, the amazing students getting baptized today, he's here, his name is Andy. And, and this Wednesday he decided to get baptized and he said, I believe in Jesus and I'm ready to make that step. And so maybe that's yours today. Maybe you've been kicking the tires on getting baptized. Come home. Come home, because this is a great place to come home. So we're going to pray a prayer right now. And I want to pray for the one who needs to come to Jesus for the first time today. I'm going to pray for, for those who have been having contempt and lack of compassion, and they are ready to have the Father's heart. And, and when people get baptized today, that they're ready to cheer and just be there to celebrate what God is doing for the one. And then we're gonna pray for labors. The Holy Spirit is so amazing that he can speak this message to each one of us individually and he might be asking you to do something right now. And I don't know what that is. It may not be on this paper. So, so even just asking him, what is he saying to us right now? So if you would bow your head and close your eyes. Lord, we have our hands open. Lord, we have our hearts open. God, give us new eyes and new hearts. Lord, show us what you are doing in our life right now. Lord, show us what you are telling us right now. What are you leading us to? Lord, we are ready to answer the call. We know that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So Lord, we raise our hands to say, send me. Lord, what would you have me do in this harvest? We are ready. Lord, I pray for those who have been working in the harvest for a long time and they have felt as if the favor of their father has left them. Lord, would you remind them that it has not left, that you have looked on them with so much love. Lord, that everything you have is theirs and they can celebrate with others. They can cheer on others. They can, they can keep working in the harvest knowing that you are moving in their life. And Lord, I pray for the one who needs to come back to you. Lord, who needs to come to you for the very first time. Lord, who needs your salvation, who needs to confess their sin to you. And I'm gonna lead us in a prayer that we're all gonna pray together. It is not a magical prayer, but we know this promise from scripture. I love how Pastor Jesse was talking about promises from scripture. We have this promise that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And so that's what we're simply gonna do. We're gonna confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, but we don't want anyone to pray alone, so pray with me. Lord, I thank you for your compassion on me. I thank you for calling me to come home. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin and going my own way. Your word says, if I confess with my mouth, and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I am saved.
So I confess, Jesus is Lord of my life. I turn from sin. I have changed my mind. And I'm running toward you and your purpose for me. And I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.